Welcome back to another episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and every single week, you know what we do. Stories of athletes, celebrities, entertainers, entrepreneurs, individuals sharing the story of their burn, that fire that lies inside of them, that ignites why and purpose, that then causes you to take the necessary action to do what it takes to chase down the next level of your performance, to chase down peak performance. Today's guest, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to paint this a little bit differently than I intended because of what I just experienced with Larry Hagner. Let me, let me make a statement. <clears throat> Discipline wins. When you believe in something, you put significant and consistent action behind it. Many of you know Larry Hagner from his work with the Dad Edge Alliance as well as the Dad Edge Podcast. It is the most popular podcast for dads in the world. Over 700 episodes. So let's go back to when you are disciplined you're consistent when you have belief. Discipline wins. Larry, I would say you are winning at the highest possible levels in this podcast world. Um, I just came off of the most incredible experience being on Larry's show. And then, as you guys have noticed from time to time, I like to flip the mic when I have the opportunity to be with extraordinary people for you to hear their stories as well. And Larry, you, you blew me away with how you communicate, how intentional you are, um, the way that you put it, the way you like to guide a conversation. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was emotional. Um, I want everybody to, you know, I, I want you to hear Larry, but you have got to go hear Larry in this interview and the questions that he, I mean, it was just incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm also very grateful. I'm going to start crying again. Cause she had me crying six times in the episode. <laughs> I'm going to try to not make you cry, but I'm just so grateful. You put me after Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I mean, literally Matthew should be warming up the stage for me. So I'm very appreciative that, uh, you know, his, his episode came before mine, but in all seriousness, it's, it's extraordinary. Right. <clears throat> and in my preparing for our opportunity to be together, you look at this long history of who you interviewed. I mean, Super Bowl champions, NFL champion, I mean, Major League Baseball. I mean, you name it, right? Wildly successful entrepreneurs. I mean, Matthew McConaughey with his book, Green Lights. I mean, he's already one of the most successful actors in the world. I mean, now the guy is probably just about as famous as, as anybody today. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. <clears throat> I made a comment to you at the end of our recording, and I said, they are blessed to have the opportunity to experience you. And so I'm going to try to get you to maybe talk about you, how, how you maybe haven't talked about you in the past, because the way that you prepared for our interview, I know you put so much into you, <clears throat> but I'm going to call you the dad expert, even though I know that you're probably going to try to take that away. I know you have four boys uh, dedicated to your, your beautiful bride and having four boys. I, I don't even understand that. I mean, <laughs> we got two kids at home, like four, like, oh my gosh. I mean, just even like trying to get like soccer and basketball schedules together with two and you've got four and then your dedication to what you do. What do you love about being a dad? Oh man. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what I love about being a dad. Um, I, we'll probably get into my childhood a little bit, but what I can tell you without a doubt is that I get to experience the childhood that I wanted through the eyes of my kids. Now, I will be the first to tell you that it ain't always pretty. There are mistakes made. My house gets crazy. <clears throat> there is some yelling. There is some shouting that happens. All those things is not all sunshine and rainbows, 
But the one thing that I've always tried to cultivate with the kids, with the boys, is this environment of connection. Just really at the end of the day, the connection, you know, the environment of psychological safety. Like, hey, you've had a bad day. You have a bad moment. You got things going on. This is this is where you land right mm-hmm. here. Okay. Um, an environment that doesn't have guilt. You're not guilted into doing something. You're not shamed into doing something. But we have open communication and we talk. But I would say my favorite thing about being a dad is to see the world through their eyes and to gross them out with their mother. So like, <laughs> which I try to do at least once a day, you know, like I love on my wife a lot and I'm very affectionate, but that's the way my grandfather was. And I think one of the coolest things you can do as a father is like show them like how to love your woman and like do it as if they're watching you on stage. So, and I love doing that. And every time I hear, especially my seven year old, he's like, Oh, come on, gross. I'm like, yes, yes. (laughs) I like that part. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm glad I started there and I did it intentionally to, to try to better understand how important it is for you to be a dad. So take us back to your childhood as you did with me. Sure. Why is that so important for you now? So my, my childhood was pretty crazy. Uh, I, so I was born in 1975. My mom and biological father were married in 1971. They had they were together for four years, and then when I was about nine months old, they got divorced. And I, I, I still, to this day, I really don't know exactly what happened. I just know that, I mean, they were young too. I mean, they were like 21 when they got married, but they got divorced. I never knew my father. He was gone. And I was raised just by my mom from the, from the age I was like nine months to four. And I'll never forget being in preschool because I remember men coming to pick up their kids and I knew what a dad was. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a dad. But my understanding of a dad was like, moms go out and find dads. And my mom hadn't found our, my dad yet. And I thought that was fine. Like I would, didn't think I was missing out on anything. So I'll never forget the very first time I was four, my mom brings this man home that she'd been dating and he was a white collar software engineer. He, uh, I'll never forget the first time he walked in our house. He had a uh, feathered hair, handlebar mustache, three piece suit, the double Windsor knot, the trench coat, briefcase. And I'll never forget like this guy just come walking in. I'm like, <clears throat> I was like, wow, like there's this guy in my house. And like, I was very happy because I was like, she did it. She found us a dad. Like that was, my, that was my understanding. And, you know, I think they'd been dating a while. He came over for dinner to meet me. And literally the very first question I asked this poor guy, like my mom's like, hey, Larry, this is Joe. And I shook his hand. I said, are you going to be my dad? Like that is the first question I asked this guy. And I remember like literally it was 41 years ago. And I remember like there was like a hush in the room. Like, like calm down, kid. I'm only here for dinner. So, but a year later they did get married. And he was really cool. You know, I was five. I remember being in the wedding and he was very polite. Like if you asked anybody, if anybody asked you about him, he was the most polite guy in the world. And always taught me about manners. He was ex-military, but he did drink a lot. And he and my mom drank a lot together. And when alcohol was flowing, man, it was, it was not pretty. And my dad would get very angry, very abusive. Like, I mean, he had a heavy hand. Like I would, I was hit, I was thrown, you know, I was strangled. 
I'll never forget like waking up in the middle of the night, being like five years old and, you know, going to my mom and dad's bedroom and they're fighting and he's holding her down, hitting her. And I'm trying to pry his hands off of her and stuff. I mean, just crazy stuff. You know, you shouldn't be seen at five. And every year, man, they were together. It just got worse and worse and worse. They got divorced when I was 10 and I have not seen him since. And that was 10. So I, I knew at that point, I was like, wait a second. So I was at their wedding, five years old, it doesn't add up. Now I know about birds and the bees. So I started asking my mom, I was like, hey, like, where did I come from? She's like, oh, well, you know, I was actually married before and you don't know him though. And really, and so I started asking all kinds of questions about him. And lo and behold, my mom dated here and there, but when I was 12, so just two years after this, man, I like, you're seven, in seventh grade, you really want a dad around. And I'll never forget I was 12 years old and I knew his name and that's all I knew. And I was at a rec center playing basketball, trying to play basketball. I was terrible at it. <laughs> and I heard somebody say his last name, but it was his wife that was there. And I just, I was a curious, bold kid. And she was there like making a payment for some ice time because my dad played hockey up there. And I went up to one of the workers behind the desk. I was like, hey, who, who's that lady over there? And he said, said her name. I was like, who's her husband? Like, no, I don't know, a 12-year-old does that. And they told me it was my dad. I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's my dad's wife. So I go up to this lady. And I'm like, excuse me. You're 12 years old. 12. <laughs> 12. I was like, excuse me. I was like, what's your name? And she looked at me, and she's, I just told me. And I was like, is your husband? And Yep. And I said, uh, I think your husband is my dad. And she looked at me and she's like, are you Larry? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, would you like to talk to him? And so we went around the corner and she pops a quarter on the payphone. And she's like, uh, yeah, so your son's here. Would you like to talk to him? And she hands the phone over to me and I was like shaking. And I heard this man's voice on the other end. And I was like, wow. Like, and he was nervous and stuff too. So we ended up getting together. We had this relationship for about six months. He was married, obviously, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we had this relationship for about six months. And he came to all my games and baseball games and all this other stuff. And then one thing I started noticing, like, after we started spending time together is, like, the last month we were together, it's kind of like you're dating somebody. And you you can tell they're not into it anymore. Like, they're starting to kind of pull the fade away. And I'll, I'll never forget just kind of calling him out on it. Like, hey, what, what's going on? Like, I just feel like something's not right. And the conversation just really went like, yeah, sorry, I just, bad timing for me and this is complicated and mm. we just need to go our separate ways. Man, that was like devastating. And I started to, you know, start to overeat. It, you know, just terrible at sports. My mom dated several different men, got married three times. And every guy was the same guy, just different name and face, but alcohol, I can't confirm nor deny drugs, but alcohol, mental and physical abuse, just absolute craziness. Um, at 18, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. Uh, that was kind of my outlet was fitness. I uh, went away to college, met my wife, and who, who my wife is now. And we'll fast forward till I was 30. And I was 30 years old, sitting in a Starbucks here in West County, actually, in, in St. Louis, the one right off Ballas. And I'm sitting there with a, with a coworker of mine. And there's two things that I can tell you about Starbucks. Number one, they sell overpriced coffee. And number two, you can run into a biological parent that you haven't seen in 18 years. Mm. So we're sitting there having this meeting and all of a sudden my father walks in and I was like, holy crap. 
And uh, I, t- I told this girl that I worked with who we were also really good friends. She was one of the few people that I told about my dad. And I was like, you'll never believe this. I was like, you'll never guess who just walked in. And I told her. And to make a long story short, we ended up connecting that day. And we connected not because of me, but because of her. So I was sitting there and she was like, what are you going to go say to him? What are you going to, what are you going to say? And I was like, hmm, no, nothing. I'm not going to say a word. I was like, she's like, your father's over there. You're not going to say anything to him. I was like, no, I'm 30 years old. I'm, I'm married. I'm a grown man. I have a kid on the way. Like there's nothing for us to talk about. And with that, she just got up and walked over to him. And I was like, oh my God, what is she doing? And as I sat there, she sat next to him and I could read his lips and he said, where is he? And he got up we met eyes and I'm just like, man, you never feel like a more fight or flight response Mm -hmm. than like, do I get out of here? Do I walk out? Am I nice? Am I rude? Like, what do I do? He sits down and he's like, are are you guys married? I was like, no, we work together. I was like, I'm married. I was like, I have a son on the way. He's like, how's your life? How are things doing? You know, like, I'm just like, good, fine. You know, I was, I wasn't nice, but I wasn't cold. And anyway, that was the beginning of what's now been a 16 year relationship. And my dad and I are, I would say we're friends. I have a great relationship with my two younger half brothers. Uh, he's still married to the same woman. He has mm-hmm. been for 40 plus years. Uh, but that was, that was the motivation. I was just like, man, I, cause my childhood was, there was never a positive male role model in my life, except for my grandfather, which was my mom's father. And I was like, this is not going to happen on my watch. Just, it just won't happen. And what I can tell you, and we can get into it is it did happen like bad things were happening. And that's how, that's literally how this journey started. In fact, you know, what I'm doing today, it didn't start good. Didn't, it didn't start pretty at all. You know, it started with a really dark moment. Mm. Can you tell us about that moment? Sure. Yeah. How did I know you're going to ask that? So I was, uh, my son, what I can tell you is this on, on the outside of my life, I didn't start dad edge, good dad project till my, my oldest, my oldest son's now 15 at the time he was six. My 13-year-old was four. And everything on the outside looked really, really good. You know, I had a great paying full-time job, beautiful wife, decent home. Like, everything looked really great, right? Everything was fine, good, good and fine. Um, Mentally and emotionally, I wasn't right. The intimacy and communication with my wife wasn't all that great. Um, My patience with my kids was terrible. Like, I kind of did fatherhood, like, out here. Like, just, Mm. you know, arm's length. And I'll never forget my four-year-old, who's 13 now, he was acting out, and I got upset, and I spanked him, and he hit the ground. And I, I've never been one of those people to hit my kids, but in that moment, I did. And then it just hit me. I was like, I was like, what, what am I doing here? And I went to go pick him up, and that kid looked at me like, don't touch me. Like, he looked at me like I was a monster, and it was in that moment that I saw myself. I didn't see him. I saw myself and I was like, oh my God, like what, what, what am I doing? And there were several other things that led up to that. You know, like my wife and I were fighting all the time. I was always yelling at my kids. Like I just was not a role model. And I went into my office that night and I did what any adult would do when they're upset. I got on Facebook <laughs> and I literally was on the computer and I was like emotional and I was like, what the hell is going on? And I saw this button in the left-hand corner of the screen and it said, create a page. And I hit that button and I call, I really call that divine intervention. And I don't know what it was, but like the good dad project, it just rolled off my mind and my heart and onto that keyboard. And I started a page and I was like, I'm done doing life like this. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, 
but I'm going to go find out. Like I've put all this time and effort into my career and being a leader in my career, all this training. Like, why can't I do that with this? Like, maybe I can learn some patience. Maybe I can learn communication. Maybe I can learn about marriage. Who knows? And I'll just put it here. And that's what started it. Incredible. So when you talk about the burn now, I mean, it's clear. Yeah. That's the type of, so going back to how I really frame the start of the show, because it's just, it's so impressive, right? 700 plus episodes, right? The level of consistency that that takes, the commitment that that takes. And for everybody listening, you know, every week we talk about your burn. And the burn is that underlying fire, lights the wine. Well, so many people, they don't consistently connect to their burn, right? Well, for you, that's such a deep rooted fire from adversity and challenge, right? Your challenge different than my challenge. We all have challenge. But when I hear that, it's almost like that moment with your son, I'm not going back there. And it was this burn like, okay, you just lit this fire and it's done. And I won't go back and you haven't, which I think is incredible. And I hope that gives hope to so many people who right now they're struggling, right? You know, I think of the world we live in. There's so much fear. There's so much doubt. There's so much uncertainty. Chris Voss, the legendary hostage negotiator, he, you know, he always says that the prisoner of war, it's not the pain or the torture that they can't endure. That's the uncertainty of not knowing when it's going to end. And I think yeah. there's so many people because of uncertainty, they're just sitting on the sidelines. And I think your, your story is such a powerful story that in that moment, you probably had uncertainty. Like, am I supposed to be a dad? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. am I doing this right? Like, I think I'm screwing this up. Yet, Like in that moment, it was like that fire was lit. I'm not going back and you haven't. Right. And similar to what I said, when, when I was on, on your show, like we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect dads. That doesn't exist. But I think you provide a pretty amazing example of, of what it means to do it the right way. I also want to highlight, I think just your relationship with your wife, right. To do that in front of your kids, to just yeah. have fun with it. Yeah. You know? I think that's, I think that's, that's absolutely awesome. What would you, if there was one lesson and and I, and I'm going to try to push you to give me one 700 plus episodes. Is there one lesson that stands out to you that you're just like, wow. Like when I think of this lesson that I learned, like it changed me. Yep. Changed me. I mean, I, I could probably narrow it down to like, my top two or three because one just ain't going to do it. But I can tell you, uh, number one, isolation is the enemy of excellence. You know, you, you work with amazing teams and unfortunately there are so many men out there that they live mentally and emotionally isolated to, and that ego just protects us. You know, we, we, we actually take such pride (laughs) in lone wolfing it, right? Like I'm the lone wolf. I'm strong. If most men knew what happened to the lone wolf, they wouldn't like the lone wolf, right? Because the lone wolf, they they leave the pack because they're going to go die, or they've lost the pack and they're going to die. Either way, they die. And most men don't know that. You know, they're like, oh, I'm a strong lone wolf. A lone wolf is not strong. The wolf is strong because of the pack, and the pack is strong because of the wolf. So, like, what I can tell you is men love to answer every single question with three words. Good, fine, busy good, fine, busy. They like to keep that. If I keep everybody out here, they're not going to really know like how crazy things are. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's some good, there's good things, right? There are really good things that happen in men's lives, but also there's a lot of things that we, we take on that 
we don't allow other people in to give us a point in the right direction. Now, you came on my show, you talked about the power of mentorship and the power of coaching and someone in your life. And it doesn't have to be even like a coach. It could be someone just point you in the right direction. And that, like isolation is the enemy of excellence, has been absolutely huge. So powerful. Yeah. And the other thing too is ask for help. I had a Navy SEAL on the show who was one of Chris Kyle's uh, sniper. He was one of uh, Chris Kyle's instructors. And I asked him, I was like, what has been the most important? And of course, you're talking to a Navy SEAL, one of the baddest dudes on the planet, one of the best snipers in the world. And I was like, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned, you know, just about navigating life? He's like, ask for help. Mm. I was like, ask for help. And you know, I was like, you're a SEAL. He's like, that's why we're so successful. Because my team, like I ask for help. Like when I'm down, <clears throat> if I'm pinned down, or I, I ask for help. Because if I go down, the team goes down. And if my team doesn't ask for help, how am I supposed to know what to do? I was like, wow, like this, this sense of relief, like I can ask for help and that's cool. Like even if you're a badass Navy SEAL. So ask for help has been another big one. One of the most powerful quotes that I can tell you though, that I've heard, and I'll end with this last one is the definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have become when you're on your deathbed. And that is a filter that I try to run almost every decision that I make with. I'm not always good at it. But that is one thing that's always, it's a hamster wheel in the back of my mind. So when my seven-year-old comes up to me and I'm exhausted because I wake up every morning at four and which I know is late for you. It's like sleeping in for you, man. You know, and he's I'm just, two meals deep by then. I know, right? <laughs> like, dude, I've already been grinding for four hours. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my seven-year-old, I'm exhausted. You know, and he'll come to me and be like, like Dad, can, I, can we read two bedtime stories instead of one? And that's when I'm like... God, I just want to go to bed or I just want to get with your mom tonight. You know, like <laughs> I don't tell him that, but I'm just like, yes, because those requests are, they're only here for like a minute. Right. And do I want to be on my deathbed being like, Oh man, why didn't I read one more bedtime story? You know? So, and th- there's a lot of decisions that are run through my mind on that one. Mm, that's yeah. so powerful. I hope everybody watching now realizes why I had to flip the mic on Larry. Discipline wins. Consistency to your burn and what drives you. You got a long way to go if you want to chase him to have the best dad podcast in the world. So whatever your dream is, stay consistent in your disciplines. Stay consistent in your burn, what drives you. You heard that from Larry. The other ask I have of you is go start listening to his podcast. I mean, if you listen to just those three lessons right there, that's all the more reason to go and subscribe and to like it and to share it. Not my podcast, his. Because it's those powerful lessons and it's the manner in which he shows up to interview people to bring out their very best and the things that other people just don't ask. It's really special and it makes you unique. I'm not going to finish this episode. I'm going to let you finish it and here's why. Yeah. The last quote about the deathbed in heaven. Mm-hmm. I want you to say that one more time. And I want you to say it slowly. So I'm going to sign off. Make sure to continue to join us for the burn. We appreciate the opportunity to continue to stay connected with you. But we're going to let Larry bring this home for us with the quote. The definition of hell is meeting the man that you could have become when you're laying on your deathbed. That'll get you thinking.
This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.